Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and usually on Tuesday's show, we have forbearance data to talk about. It always comes out on Monday, but not the case yesterday. Yeah, it didn't come. I don't know what's going on with the Mortgage Bankers Association because they also didn't have it last week on Monday. So I mean, it's not even Thanksgiving weekend yet. We're already not getting the data, that, but it is free. So maybe I shouldn't complain too much about it. But we do have a very fascinating, uh, or I should say some new data, not from the Mortgage Bankers Association, but from Redfin, looking at one of the biggest, I would say one of the biggest debated issues in housing in 2021, besides the obvious, you know, hot housing market, is investors. Investors are getting involved in housing. A lot of articles about the influence they are having and the impact that they're having on the housing market. And well, in the third quarter, they kicked it up a notch. Like I said, this is according to the latest data from Redfin. Real estate investors bought 18.2% of US homes that were purchased during the third quarter of 2021. This is up from the second quarter when it was at 16.1% and is up from 11.2% a year earlier. In case you're wondering what that means, that's a 10% jump quarter over quarter and an 80% jump year over year. So investors really like housing. There's no other way to say it. And we've talked about this. Uh, I know I've had it in the email, the newsletter before, which once again, if you have not signed up for the morning newsletter, that is free at marketsandmortgages.com. It's a companion newsletter. Everything we talk about on the podcast is in the newsletter and there is more. So I know I've talked about this in the newsletter and investors are saying, hey, we got to find yield. One of the places they can find it is housing. And not surprisingly, single family homes continue to be the sought after property representing 74.4% of investor purchases in the third quarter. That is up from 70.6% a year earlier. Now, here is something that is surprising because one of the biggest arguments that is made is that investors are driving up home prices because they're competing with average Americans that want to buy a home. Or I guess I should note also other sort of small-time investors. Usually when people say investors, they mean like hedge funds and these big, giant corporate behemoths that they're going in there, they're buying up these homes, and that's driving up prices, especially starter homes. And what's interesting about the third quarter is that was not the case. In fact, low-priced homes, which would be starter homes, represented 36.1% of investor purchases, which was a record low and down from 47% a year earlier. So they're actually buying fewer lower-priced homes. Now we can have a debate about why that is is because there's not as much value there. They've, you know, they've, you know, they drove the prices up and so now there just isn't as much value in these lower homes because now they've moved on to mid-priced homes. That's all the biggest jump reach uh representing a record one-third, 33% to be exact of investor purchases up from 20.8% in the third quarter of 2020. High-priced homes were kind of you know unchanged for the most part at 30.8% down slightly from 32.3% a year earlier. So what's happening is, is that maybe there's not as much value in the lower-priced homes, so they're moving into the mid-priced area. However, Shirara Bokhari, the Redfin senior economist, 
believes the increase in purchases of higher priced homes is actually a bet that the COVID migration will continue. Bakari said in a statement, quote, investors may also be upping their bets on price of your homes in an effort to profit from the pandemic driven migration. Affluent Americans from expensive cities have increasingly been searching for homes in places where they can get more bang for their buck, like Phoenix and Las Vegas, where investors have a heavy presence. And I was actually one of the markets they listed that um, is seeing a lot of investor activity was, I think it was Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was reading a piece, you know, Charlotte and Raleigh kind of move at the same pace. Both those housing markets are the hottest in North Carolina, where, of course, I broadcast out of, well, not there, but in North Carolina. And there was a piece in the News and Observer, which is the Raleigh newspaper, and they were discussing how people from California look at the Raleigh housing market, which is incredibly hot. And from where it was, you know, two years ago, seems overpriced. But to Californians, it's like, oh, this is a bargain. <laughs> like We've talked about that, right? There are three counties or three cities in North Carolina who have, or excuse me, in California, who have homes, the median home price is over a million dollars. The median home price in the West, in the West is over 500,000. So if you can go to Raleigh and buy a house for $500,000, I mean, it's, it's going to be much different, probably bigger and nicer than what you're going to get in California. And if you're living in one of those places where the median home price is like a million bucks, (laughs) then yeah, you're going to be very surprised with how far your dollar stretches, even in a crazy hot housing market like Raleigh or Charlotte. So it's very interesting. And I mentioned this earlier, one of the big concerns it seems to be is that people are mad that, you know, these big corporations are buying these homes But, I mean, let's face it, why are corporations buying these homes? They're buying the homes to rent them out to families. It's not like the corporation's living in a house. So people will say, oh, well, it's not fair that you're not competing, you know, against other families. But, I mean, you kind of are. I mean, that's who's going to end up staying in the house. So it's not like, oh, if this investor component was not a part of the housing market, the housing market would be much cooler and homes would be a lot more affordable. That demand would be quickly picked up by individual investors. I mean, if there's money to be made, there are going to be people trying to make that money. (laughs) That is the reality of the situation. So people getting mad that like, oh, hedge funds are getting involved. It doesn't matter. We, we, We could ban hedge funds from being involved, big corporations, whatever you want to do. Right now, housing is hot. Nothing is going to change that except for people demand cooling off. I know what you're going to say, well, Tyler, if you take out investors and everyone else, then demand drops. I don't think it does, though, because once again, they're buying these homes to rent them out to families. So it's really that family that has the demand for that rental house. And so if it wasn't the hedge fund buying it or the big corporation, it would be that family. And so that demand would still be there. I actually look at it as you're going to know that things are cooling off when you start to see Wall Street pull out of the housing market. Trust me, Wall Street is not going to be involved once things start cooling off. They're they're going to go. They just know right now that you can buy and then six months from now, rent's going to be higher and whatever it may be. But the minute things start cooling off and all of a sudden there's less money to be made, Wall Street's going to go, bye, (laughs) we're out of here. That's, That's why they get involved. Plain and simple. Now, speaking of, or I should say, one of the ways to solve that problem is, of course, very simple. You build more. 
there was a really funny Twitter thread I saw yesterday where this guy was pointing out that the New York Times was calling people in Palo Alto out for their NIMBY attitudes. You know, these people in Palo Alto who are like, oh, we need to be so inclusive and we need to be helping everyone and we got to do all this to help the world be a better place. And it's like, well, why don't you let them build more so more people can, oh, I, I don't think that would do much. I mean, I, you know, we, we, we wouldn't be able to take it. Our infrastructure isn't solid and they're all like huge NIMBYs. But they think it's like, oh, well, it's different where we are, but they can build where you are, but not where I am. And that's the definition of a NIMBY. That's why it's called not in my backyard. People who are NIMBYs are totally fine with development everywhere else except their their own neighborhood. And the problem is, is that if everyone's a NIMBY, then you're not building anywhere because you can never build in those people's backyards. And so they, oh, no, no, we can't build. Well, you can build. Well, you can build where you are, but not, no, you, we just can't take it. The traffic, it's going to be rough and... So no, no, just not in our backyard, but your backyard. Yeah, you can totally build there. That would be a good idea. <laughs> they totally called them out. But that's the solution to a lot of these problems. You want to lower houses, the only, there's only one way to do it. It's not through tax cuts. I mean, tax increases. It's not through rent control. It's not through any of these crazy ideas, banning Airbnb, banning hedge funds from buying. If you build more houses, a lot of demand, not a lot of supply. How do you solve that problem? You get more supply, you build. And Connor Sen over at Bloomberg has a very fascinating piece, one that I've actually heard this argument before, but it's an important one, is he says, home prices are skyrocketing, vacancy rates are down in office buildings, so what if we fix both those problems at the same time by essentially converting old office buildings into either mixed use or turn them into residential units? Because the reality is, is that office work is never going to come back the way that it was. Sen writes that by the end of January, quote, only half of New York City office workers are expected to be back on average weekday. And that number isn't expected to grow by any significant amount over time. And that even in the best case scenario, demand for office space is still going to be 20 to 30 percent lower than it was pre-pandemic. And this is, of course, happening as rents are skyrocketing across the country. So the solution, Econ 101, converting existing underutilized office buildings to residential units. Now, obviously, there are issues with infrastructure of these buildings, you know, buildings that are made for office use, commercial use is going to be very different than residential spaces. So you're going to have to change a lot. But, Sen points out, if such conversions can pass muster with real estate bean counters, it's at least worth considering. And then Sen goes on to argue it's not just economics 101, but one of the other benefits is it will also stop a possible death spiral for office buildings. Saying, quote, the necessity of building apartments in office-centric downtowns isn't just about meeting the needs for new housing. It will help ensure office districts avoid the kind of downward spiral that's possible if something isn't done to stabilize them. He also uh, goes on to talk about the fact that most of the people in the suburbs probably don't want to commute, so they have no real desire to go back, but the people that do want to work in the office would probably also be attracted to being able to live nearby. And so this is creates kind of a win-win for everyone. That space gets used, and the person that wants to live there and can live near their office you know, it shrinks their commute. 
And so, like I said, it's a win, win, win. I mean, like across the board, it's a win. No doubt about that. And so that's, like I said, in the morning newsletter with everything else we talk about here on the podcast. But we are now out of time. So there's a lot more in the newsletter. If you want to check it out, marketsandmortgages.com. I got to go. You guys enjoy your Tuesday. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.